Welcome to the Paleo View. I'm Stacy Toth, best-selling author and co-creator of PaleoParents.com, where we focus on real-life solutions for families seeking help. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times best-selling author and creator of the PaleoMom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. Little gotta get gotta get him. Okay. Um ready? Ready. Long time no chat. And uh well for our listeners, it's been a whole week. Right. How, how are you doing? been such an amazing week. <laughs> uh, so we are actually recording this podcast a week early. We, we usually try to record every week so we can stay really topical with things going on. But given how crazy things are with paleo principles and how we're supposed to go to print uh, next week, and uh, Stacy's doing some traveling and uh, I, a little little bird whispered something special, special day, something, something in my ear, I heard. Are you Maybe? Tip, tiptoeing around the fact that I'm yet another year older as of next week? So my grandmother was 36 for like 20 years. You know, 36 is how I remember my mom. Like, I must have been the age – no, my, my mom had me when she was very young. So I was, I'm pretty sure, a freshman in high school. Um, and I just – oh, like, that's the age that I think of my mom. Like, it's it's interesting to me. Um, it's where I have the most memories and stuff like that. So to me, I'm kind of excited to be a 36-year-old mom because I'm like, this is the cool mom age. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying you can stop at any time. Exactly. Like there is, there's no, there's no, and it doesn't need to be, I mean, if you want to do 35 again. Nah, I'm okay. <laughs> I, oh, 35 yeah. wasn't my favorite year. Um, I think what's, what's interesting is that Matt's about six months older than me. And so whenever it's my birthday, I always get confused about how old I am because I think of us as the same age. But we're not. And so when it's my birthday, I'm like, wait, Matt's 36. Am I turning 37? <laughs> like, no, I, I turned 36 first. Then you turn 36. I'm like, my okay. husband's a year, just over a year older than me. And I always joke that he's test driving the next age for me. <laughs> yeah. He's going to let me know how it goes. And then, then I'll decide if I'm going to do that one or not. Um, well, happy birthday. Thank you. I am. Um, so I, as you know, I have not been... Uh, participating in travel events for the bloggy stuff. And um, it was interesting because I was invited to do this, um, this conference that I'm going to this weekend and it's like a spa weekend and it is um, on my birthday weekend. And so I was like, hmm. Twist my rubber arm. Hmm, maybe, maybe I can call this like a birthday spa weekend gift to myself. And um, it's not like a public facing event, which is a different kind of energy for me. Because although people think that I am extroverted, I am not. And it drains my energy. Not not in a bad way, but it's, it's very like overwhelming and... Um, 
when I come back from a trip where I've had a lot of people facing activity, I need to rest and recover. And so this should not be that way. So I was thinking, hmm, I'll just do it. I'll pop over to California for the weekend and <laughs> pop, pop back to these. Oh my goodness. Oh, you neglected to mention the part where you were going to a uh, three hour time zone difference. Yes, away. exactly. So it'll be interesting to see, to see how this goes. But, um, yeah, there was just no way between your book stuff and my my travel and my birthday and, and all that kind of stuff that we could have made it work. So listeners, we appreciate your patience as we have this little doop doop time, <laughs> time travel situation. But um yeah, I think we've got we've got a good topic um that maybe we should Yeah, this is one of those um you know, questions that I get asked so often um, that when I saw it come through in our uh, podcast um, question submissions, which for our listeners, if you have questions, we, we have forms on each of our websites for you to submit questions. And we go through and um, we, we try very much to um, grab representative questions. So if we don't get to yours, it's either because it's something we've covered in depth a bajillion times, or we're kind of pooling it together with a similar question. So we really try to get to all of these topics over time. Um, but, um, but sometimes we'll take, um, you know, one person's question because it kind of represents, you know, 10 different people's questions. And that's, that's one of the things that we have today. Um, but this is the type of question that I get a lot at, um, conferences speaking of, um, or events that I'm doing. And it, it is the, uh, well, maybe I should just read the question and then we can, we can discuss how, how quintessential this particular conundrum is. Uh, the question is from Karen and Karen asks, uh, my question is, would it be a good idea for me to try the autoimmune protocol, even if I have not been officially diagnosed with an autoimmune disease? I have seen benefits with the paleo diet, but I'm still experiencing gastrointestinal issues and wondering if I should continue by eliminating eggs, nuts, seeds, and nightshades. Any feedback or suggestions would be greatly appreciated. So... um to me, it's interesting um, to say gastrointestinal issues. Um, I might go completely in a different direction from you here. We didn't, um, <laughs> we didn't pregame. So no, no, but we we never do. So it's fine, yeah. listeners. Um, some sometimes Sarah and I are not exact replicas of each other. Um, so to me, I would think that this, if I were facing it, I would think about it less from an autoimmune um, and more as what kind of foods could be uh, disrupting your digestive system. And those can be overlapping, but they can also be entirely different. So for example, um, I look at someone like Danielle from Against All Grain who has um, had been hospitalized for gastrointestinal issues before she came to her paleo journey. And the things that she avoids um, – are not necessarily autoimmune related. Like she still um, eats some things that I can't, for example, tomatoes. Um, but she does um, have to really limit her starch. So uh, she can't do like cassava or potato flour or different things like that. So I think it really um, 
depends on what the source of the gastrointestinal issues are. You know, for me, um, I'm an entirely third scenario, right? With not having a gallbladder, I don't digest fats well, or I have to digest the right fats in um, the right quantity, or I have to slowly introduce them. I just can't have like, you know, a big plate of bacon and eggs for breakfast. Um, So to me, gastrointestinal can be such a wide range of um, differentiating issues is the the word that's used. So I think if there were more context in terms of um, these are the kind of things that I experience after certain foods, so maybe like a food log or a food diary, um, where you can start to look at what's happening, how long after you consume certain foods, and maybe try to eliminate some of them. I would never say that removing the foods that are identified on the autoimmune protocol are a bad thing for anybody. I think that a lot of people would be surprised to see that they benefit from removing things like eggs, nuts, nightshades, common allergens. There might be things that you don't even realize your body is intolerant to and creating, you know, um, allergen type symptoms, you know, whether it be seasonal, um, seasonal allergies or, you know, snoring at night, who knows, you know, like, who knows, um, there are so many different things. So to me, if you wanted to eliminate them, like that could be a place to start. But the problem with that is that you're going to be eliminating so many foods all at once that then when you try to identify where the gastrointestinal is, you're going to need to, you know, introduce back one at a time. There is, um, you know, this, um, protocol for reintroduction just the way that there is a protocol for elimination. So just make sure that you're you're pacing yourself and you're really documenting and watching how your body responds to certain foods, no matter what it is you remove. Yeah. So um, I think I want to take a step backwards from this question. And um because I think you've, you've hit the sort of uh, food sensitivity causing GI symptoms part really well. So I want to take a step backwards and talk a little bit more sort of broad strokes about uh, tackling the autoimmune protocol, even without a diagnosed autoimmune condition. So the autoimmune protocol is really designed to be um, an incredibly like take take paleo and make it even more nutrient focused and even more anti-inflammatory and and so give paleo the the highest therapeutic potential and so it really is about regulating the immune system and of course the autoimmune protocol is more than just eliminations it's about uh, this strong nutrient density focus. It's also about incorporating the lifestyle aspects. So it's about getting enough sleep and being active and managing stress and embracing community and connecting with nature and all of those things as well. So it really is about looking at all inputs to health and dialing everything in um, to a, sort of our, you know, the most, um, I don't want to say strict, but it really is about making the best choices and sort of making that that cutoff line in terms of the gray areas a, a little bit uh, closer to sticking with things that are optimal and and not really playing with uh, the things that are maybe not going to work for for most for some people right so it, it really is about recognizing that 
if you have autoimmune disease, you have a genetic predisposition to an immune system that's going to be overactive. So really dialing everything in so that you remove all potential stimulators of that immune system beyond, you know, what you can't control. And so there are a lot of people out there either with other chronic illnesses that are not autoimmune in nature or that are still going through the diagnostic procedures. So autoimmune disease, some are very straightforward to diagnose and some are incredibly difficult to diagnose. There's no one test that can tell you you have autoimmune disease. Some have you know, blood work or some kind of imaging or some kind of tissue biopsy that can tell you definitively that, yes, you have this disease and some are diagnosed based on a pattern of symptoms. And so the disease has to progress to that point where it's an obvious pattern of symptoms. And so there are some autoimmune diseases that can take decades to get a a confirmed diagnosis for. So it's important to emphasize, one, if you have any other chronic illness, inflammation and a dysregulated immune system is still a component of that condition. It's still, it might not be the direct cause the way it is in autoimmune disease, but it's still a contributing factor. So making choices that are going to regulate the immune system are going to be, are going to help in the case of every chronic illness. Um, also, you know, if it come, when it comes to autoimmune disease, you can see benefit with the autoimmune protocol without a diagnosis. So you don't need, necessarily need to have a name for what's happening to you in order to dial in diet and dial in lifestyle to help the immune system regulate itself and help the body heal. Having a diagnosis can help in terms of the other choices around diet and lifestyle. So there are autoimmune diseases in which medication is still indicated. So for example, I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis. My thyroid will never produce enough thyroid hormone. It has been attacked and damaged for far too long. So I take thyroid hormone supplements, thyroid hormone replacement. And um, that is not a failure of the autoimmune protocol to fix my thyroid because my antibodies are really low. So, you know, it has stopped the attack on my thyroid, but the, there's just permanent damage to that organ. That's It's never going to come back. It's not that regenerative of an organ. So um, what the autoimmune protocol can do for me is it can minimize my need for thyroid hormone. It can reduce the inflammation. So it can stop further damage to my thyroid. It can stop me or um, from developing additional autoimmune diseases. And it can help my symptoms of other autoimmune diseases. So, for example, I used to have psoriasis. I don't have it now. Certainly, it's not active. I mean, with autoimmune diseases, there's no cure. So, hypothetically, it could come back at any time. So, instead, I'll say it's in full remission. So, I don't, you know, my skin is is perfectly clear. So, um, those are the things that I can get out of the autoimmune protocol, even if it means I will take thyroid medication for the rest of my life. So there is that advantage to a diagnosis in the sense of being able to make other choices around that autoimmune disease. Is there an adjunct therapy that is still useful? Is there a medication that would still benefit me? So that's where a diagnosis can be really helpful, but that doesn't mean that you can't get the mileage out of the autoimmune protocol besides that. So you don't necessarily have to wait for a diagnosis for that. Um, And, you know, it's important also sort of in this greater context to 
emphasize that the autoimmune protocol is not a substitute for a doctor. So it is, you know, I've sort of said there are still medications or adjunct therapies that may still be useful. So is a doctor's advice. So, um, you know, especially if you're dealing with, um, you know, an autoimmune condition like Hashimoto's thyroiditis or like type 1 diabetes where changes in diet might um, and, and reducing inflammation may change the dose needed of medication. It's really important to be working with a doctor throughout the process of adopting this diet and lifestyle and continuing to experiment with it um, in order to make sure that any additional treatments that you might be engaging in are uh, sort of um, adjusted appropriately and as needed. So I kind of want to take that that broad step back to say you can – benefit from the autoimmune protocol with a non-autoimmune chronic illness or with autoimmune type symptoms, but without a confirmed diagnosis. Um, but it's not indicated for everybody. So there are some foods that are eliminated in the autoimmune protocol that have some really compelling nutritive value. They just also have a really high rate of, of food sensitivities and the capacity to, to cause some inflammation and people who are sensitive. So if you are are dealing with some GI symptoms and there isn't really other compelling symptoms of autoimmune disease. So for example, autoimmune disease often comes with fatigue. It often comes with some kind of joint or muscle pain. Um, it often comes with uh, weight um, issues, either trouble, you know, trouble maintaining a normal weight. So either being overweight or underweight. So there's certain symptoms that we see over and over again in different autoimmune diseases. And if those aren't present, and it really is as simple as GI symptoms, there's lots of other places to go that don't eliminate some of these more um, nutritionally valuable foods that are eliminated on the autoimmune protocol. If you don't need to eliminate those, it's much better to keep them in your diet. And I'm talking about uh, you know, grass-fed dairy, nuts and seeds, um, and pastured eggs. You know, these are foods that that really have some great nutrition, and um, if you can tolerate them, it it really is great to keep them in your diet. Keeping in mind that if a sensitivity to one of these things, as Stacey has already said, is the root cause of the GI symptoms, you're not going to know until you eliminate and reintroduce that food. Um, but places to go with GI symptoms uh, is looking at, um, you know, you can you can be working with a functional medicine specialist to look for some kind of persistent infection, um, something like H. pylori or a parasite. You know, you're only going to know about those things with testing. Um, something like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Again, you know, the current consensus in that field of, re of research now is that you cannot cure small intestinal bacterial overgrowth with dietary changes. You can only manage the symptoms, and the only way to cure is to do antimicrobials. Um, and so the way that um, you know, the functional approach to that now is to test for what type of bacteria you're overgrowing and pick either uh, non-absorbable antibiotics or botanicals or a mix, depending on what works best for that particular strain or collection of strains that's overgrowing. Uh, so really, you know, Appropriately treating SIBO now requires a fair bit of testing and and some um, customization. Um, looking at something like FODMAP intolerance, which would require removing high FODMAP foods for two to four weeks and then gradually reintroducing them very, very slowly. Um, 
thinking about adding a probiotic. It could be as simple as needing more fermented foods in the diet. So there's a lot of different avenues to go with GI symptoms. Um, now would be a good time to sort of remind our listeners that the diet is the most corrective factor for GI, uh, for, for dysbiosis anyways, uh, so for gut dysbiosis. Um, our diet accounts for about 60% of the variation in our um, gut microbiota. Um, they really like vegetables and fruit. And so lots of vegetables and fruit uh, is, is what they eat. But again, if that's causing GI symptoms, looking at a low FODMAP approach and then gradually reintroducing, you don't want to go low FODMAP for a long, long period of time because you can starve the good bacteria. The FODMAPs are some of the best food for the most desirable strains of bacteria. So you want to cut down their numbers a little bit um, and then start to, to work on reintroducing so that you can support that happy gut bacteria community. Um, so I think that in just in general, <laughs> yeah. I just want to go back to you calling it a community. It is a community. Like, I know. Previously, you've referred to it as your friends. Mm -hmm. um, and pets. so now those, those, those friends, those pets, they've, they've built a community. I just, mm -hmm. I love the euphemism. That's all. Just want to point it out. Um, it's adorbs. Yeah. So... I use that word a lot in Paleo Principles, so you're going to love that book. Um, so, no, it's, you know, it's a, it's, there's a, most of us have, you know, 500 to 1,000 dif different species of um, microbes in our GI tract. And the more variety we have, the better. And they help us digest our food. They control our gut barrier function. They control our immune system. They produce neuroactive sub substances so they can control our moods. They can control how leaky our blood-brain barrier is. Right? There's so many different things that they do. So feeding them vegetable fiber is really important. And we've talked before on the show about if you know, you're having a lot of symptoms, you can try things like uh, going with smoothies or pureed soups or braised vegetables, long, you know, slow cooked vegetables. There's lots of tricks for getting more vegetables into your diet and slowly building up that tolerance to more vegetables and more fiber. So, um, that fiber intake is, is hugely important for supporting a healthy gut micro microbial community. Uh, and so is the type of fat that we're eating. So, we know that high saturated fat intake um, negatively impacts um, our gut microbiota, so it decreases the um, diversity of species, um, and it can help grow some types of undesirable species of bacteria. So sticking to 10 to 15 percent of total calories from saturated fat and keeping below like 40 to 50 percent total fat. Uh, calories from fat at the absolute highest. I mean, the science shows more like 30 to 40% is, is a better range to be in for, for fat intake. So, um, and high omega-3s. So the, the good bacteria that we want to grow really like <laughs> living in an environment that's full of omega-3s. So more seafood. So it's like seafood and vegetables, is like the magic formula for, for a healthy gut and then going slow. So fermented foods, vegetables, seafood, and ramping up in terms of fiber intake and, and fermented food intake slowly if it's causing symptoms. Um, so I think there's a lot of places where caring can go with tinkering that doesn't involve the autoimmune protocol. It doesn't involve eliminations. So I think that you know, Karen's approach is very common uh, for people who go paleo and don't have it resolve 
all of the issues that brought them to paleo in the first place, which is, well, I cut out all of these things and it made me feel a lot better. So why don't I cut out more and more and more and more? And there's this group of people who approach the autoimmune protocol just as more eliminations. And that's not what it is. It really, I mean, yes, it involves more eliminations, but it really is this like nutrient density focus with lifestyle wrapped in. And every single facet of the autoimmune protocol is rooted in the, you know, scientific understanding of how compounds and foods interact with the immune system, gut barrier function and hormone systems. So it it's not about just cutting things out. It's also and perhaps even more so about what you add in and the lifestyle aspect and how that works in concert with diet to impact health. So, you know, there's this last part of this question that I, I really wanted to kind of speak to, which is not, you know, not how Karen's approaching it, but this just general idea of approaching paleo as eliminations in general. So, so many of us come to this diet with, um, I, I describe paleo, paleo as no grains and no dairy, no legumes and no processed and refined foods. Like I explain it by what I don't eat. Well, what you don't eat isn't what makes a diet healthy. It's what you do eat that makes a diet healthy. And so when you approach it as seafood and high quality meats and tons of vegetables and some fruit and healthy fats and, uh, you know, herbs and spices, you're talking about really nourishing foods that are nutrient dense, that are anti-inflammatory, that are, um, you know, provide balanced and complete nutrition. When you describe a diet in terms of what you do eat, you have a much better sense of whether or not that diet is a health promoting diet. So, so just flipping the entire perspective of paleo and the autoimmune protocol to what I do eat rather than thinking about eliminations. Oh, I must still have something in my diet. That's a problem. I'm going to cut out more and more and more. Sometimes it's about what you're, you're, uh, not eating that you should be rather than what you haven't cut out yet. So looking at more seafood, looking at more vegetables, looking at adding some fermented foods could be the trick and it has nothing to do with eliminations. Awesome. I feel like I, I really got on a soapbox there. You did. I was so, I was so down with it. I was like, <laughs> well, and it's not the first time we've, said it sometimes we've had to say it because there's some ridiculous article on the internet that equates, you know, paleo with caveman food and it just sends us on a tangent. But I think it's, it's a good reminder, right? That it's also when people are inquiring about what you're doing or, um, you know, they're interested in it. I've, I've just found that framing it in a way of, you know, I eat a diet focused on, you know, meat and vegetables is usually how I start. <laughs> it's right. like, oh, I, I understand that. Tell me more. Or they just shrug and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to worry about the details. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. And I hope that you understand the time warp and, um, and we appreciate your patience as we uh, will be having a very – we will have had a busy week when you hear this podcast. So That's right. I'm sure if you check on our social medias, you will see all about it and we can recap it for you next week um, when hopefully we are both feeling great. I will be feeling 36. <laughs> you will be feeling hopefully like you've got a book off to print and we will be able to give you all kinds of updates um, since last we checked in with you. 
I'm I'm looking forward to that. That sounds great, right? Couldn't I? Don't you want to just like I dream of Genie triple blink right now and magically get to there? I yes, actually, <laughs> I really do, and I want to get to there with with like super successfully, like all of the things that were supposed to happen happened and completely perfectly. And I also feel amazing because I was so good at protecting my health during the process. <laughs> that's I, can I have that? That, that's what I want. I can't give that to you, but <laughs> you can certainly work towards it with that positive mindset we talked about last week and to focus on doing what you can and accepting what you cannot. I'm going to work on that. Excellent. Well, have a wonderful week, everybody. Good luck to you, Sarah. I know we'll be in touch, but, um, Listeners, don't forget that if you've been enjoying the show, there are lots of different ways to support us. Recommending our show to your friends and family is always fantastic, and we appreciate it. If you're somebody who's been referred to the show and you enjoy it, maybe you could pay it forward and uh, think about somebody else who might like, even if it's just a particular episode, um, a topic that's relevant to them. And we love it when you leave us positive reviews on any of the platforms that you might be listening to our show. And of course, you can always visit our blogs and click the links um, if you're shopping Amazon or uh, purchasing any of the products that you hear us recommend on the show. And last but not least, we love to hear from you. Don't forget to leave comments on our social media, on our blog, and we love getting your questions through the contact form on our website. If you haven't heard from us, we're sorry. Sometimes um, things get lost in the shuffle of the volume of mail that we get, but we do re we do receive and read the questions. And so if you haven't heard back and you want to follow up, feel free to do that. Um, maybe we answered the question and you just didn't hear the show, or maybe, you know, it got buried and you can help us raise it to the top. Either way, we appreciate hearing from you. Here, here. Um, thanks for listening guys. And we'll be back next week. Although it'll be two weeks for us. <laughs> I wondered if you were going to say that. <laughs> well, it, it just kind of occurred to me. It's like, we'll be back next week. But really, really, it's going to, yeah, that's a long time from now. It's fine. It'll, it'll be all it. right. We, did, we totally got it. Uh, let's try that one again. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. There is still an echo. I don't know what's going on. Hopefully. I the sound sounds awesome on my side. So okay. well, ho hopefully that means it's recording awesomely. <laughs> I just realized awesome was not an adverb. And if it's not... Matt, we'll put this in the bloopers and chime in and say, I'm sorry that the girls are incompetent again. <laughs> it's because he was using, probably using your computer during the week. Exactly. It's all his fault. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I need to actually check in. I need to see if my Facebook is fixed. I guarantee you. <laughs> no, I still can't log in. Oh, fail. Jerk. Alrighty. Um, I'll talk to you next week. Have a great trip. Happy birthday. Enjoy the spa. Yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little like, I don't know how to relax. You know that, right? Like, I don't. <laughs> I've met you. Yeah. There's, there's like, 
you get to sign up for things like meditation sessions. And I'm like, what? I just, I, mm." (laughs) (laughs) is there something I can do where I'm getting like stimuli in some sort of way? Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how, how I handle it. Sounds like an amazing growth opportunity. Exactly. I, I kind of like almost didn't go because it's so out of my comfort zone. And, um, some uh, one of my friends was like, "Seriously, like you're turning down a like a trip that's paid for to go to the spa? <laughs> like, what's wrong with you?" And I'm like, "Okay, okay, that makes sense." Do we need another blooper? You want me to just no. do a chicken dance or something? No, we had we had. Are you ready? Are no. you ready? No, no. Oh, you wanted to. You wanted to. You wanted. You almost did. I do even think about you it. You did. You nope. your elbows were starting to swing out from your body subconsciously. Not even a it just bit. it In just fact, happened. My head went from looking forward to looking down, just waiting for it to be over. <laughs> you know, this is one of my, my secrets for stressful stuff is the chicken dance. It's just causing me stress. <laughs> I think it's going to be going through your head for the rest of the day. Nope, cuz the day is done, my friend. <laughs> Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.